Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we have our first returning guest, the Reverend Robert Brown. Welcome back. It's good to be here. So we had you on years ago now in the yes. second season. Uh, what has happened since the last time you were here? Well, probably the biggest thing uh, that has happened uh, is that my wife, Judy, and I uh, are expecting our first child. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, the due date is June 12th, uh, so we are— Quickly. Coming, yes, coming up on it quickly, almost about a month away now, uh, getting real close to that. So are you already prepared? You know what to do? Everything is set up and ready to go? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You've read all the baby books that everybody's given you? Yes, okay. Judy definitely has. Good. Uh, she listens You're to the whole nine years. all sorts of audiobooks on having a baby. Um, but it is, there's a lot of information out there. Yeah. Um, and um, you'd be surprised what you can find. But it, it's exciting. We're, we're both excited uh, for when the baby arrives. Uh, we do not know if it's a boy or a girl. Uh, oh, I was just about to ask. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, for anybody uh, who wants to ask, uh, we do not know. Uh, but we're, we decided to go the, the whole way um, and see see what the gift is that God gives us. Uh, we know it's a baby, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, but we're excited uh, for, for how our lives are going to change. You, you always expect the change, but, you know. You never actually know until until they arrive. Absolutely. There's a lot to that. It'll be joyful. Well, truly, congratulations and blessings and welcome back. We are going to look at the texts for the sixth Sunday of Easter. Uh, lots of fun in the preparation for the ending of the season of Easter. And today we're going to really kind of play around with uh, St. John 16, verses 23 through 33. Uh, the disciples are still in the upper room. They're still figuring out uh, what to do, Last Supper stuff. This is pre-crucifixion, pre-arrest, which is really interesting because we're celebrating the resurrection, but Jesus still hasn't, according to this text, Jesus still hasn't died yet. And so I think that's interesting to put that in context, because I know for myself, when I do sermon prep, I look at this and I immediately put it into the preaching context, the churchly context, and this all becomes resurrection talk, even though Jesus is truly hinting at it, but he's not there yet. Absolutely. So in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. I love this text because I've been praying for a brand new Corvette, and I'm still waiting. So I don't know if I haven't closed my eyes tight enough where you see the sparkly things. I don't know if I'm concentrating, not concentrating hard enough. Um, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Well, that's what it is, right? I mean, that's that's how prayer works, right, Vicar? Uh, yeah, I've heard uh, one seminary professor describe God as a divine vending machine. Ooh, so. I like that. <laughs> yes. I always say that, you know, the, the, the great wishmaker in the sky. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's what it is. Like, we, whatever I want mm -hmm. in my life, whatever it is I think I need, 
Well, I asked God for that and I should get it immediately. <laughs> not not sometime down the road even. Like I should be on this, you know, 10-year plan to getting a Corvette. Ten-year. Like <laughs> I want the Corvette now, now in my life now. Uh, well, I, I tried to sell it to the elders um, that I could do more visits because I could drive faster. Mm. There you go. So, you know, oh, the private pack- jet. You need private jet for that. Well, <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> go big or go home. That's right. Well, Vicar, a couple of Sundays ago, you were preaching on the Good Shepherd. And you made an interesting statement that uh, the Good Shepherd gives us what we need, not what we want. And I, I like that aspect, especially with the, the prayer. If you pray in my name, yes. there's this really big thing, whatever you ask, mm-hmm. that whatever is huge. How do we deal with the separation of need and want? Because there's a lot of stuff I want. The need stuff I'm willing to kind of brush aside because I want what I want, or the better yet, the heart wants what the heart wants as the catchphrase to doing what I want to do. Absolutely. Well, you talked about putting it into context, right? And mm-hmm. I think the context that we have to remember um, is the fall. You know, that we live in a broken world, okay. right? And so even, even what we want is fallen mm-hmm. because we often think about what, what we're praying for. We often pray almost selfishly. Like when we pray for uh, a Corvette or, or something along those lines, we're not necessarily thinking about Jesus in that moment, and what he wants us to have, but we're thinking about what we want and our fallenness and our brokenness um, and our own needs. But prayer is not about getting objects. Okay. It's not about getting things. Mm-hmm. It's about what God can give to us or what he does give to us uh, through his son. And that, that's where the in Jesus' name part comes in. Whatever you ask in my name and the Father. And, and when we look at what we ask through Jesus, we don't ask for earthly things, necessarily. We don't ask for a Corvette. We don't ask for a new house, necessarily. We, you know, but that's, instead, we, we look to him for the gifts that he has given to us. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was thinking with this, it's kind of conforming to God's will. So it's, it's putting aside the things that we want, uh, the physical gifts or blessings that we might be asking for, and maybe conforming to um, the provision that God has in mind for us, because we just bend to His will and understand that uh, what He knows we need is so much better than the things we might be asking for. And so there, there, there's this kind of uh, conforming to his will in prayer in what we are requesting. Uh, and I think there there might be something more to that if we start thinking about the Lord's prayer. So maybe a tie in there. Well, well no, absolutely. And I, I think that's true. Because, um, I mean, even just not the Lord's prayer, but also look at the meaning of the first article of the creed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that God knows our needs and he provides for our needs doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a Corvette. You might get, you know, like a Camry instead. <laughs> oh. Instead. <laughs> hey, as a Camry owner, <laughs> calm down over there. Um, you know, but God provides for our needs mm-hmm. uh, of both our body and life. And, well, well, let's throw a monkey wrench in this because uh, of the next verse. Uh, yeah. You got Jesus. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And I think it's really interesting, again, the, the want and need aspect, uh, the Lord's Prayer, the first article. Where where are we going? Mm-hmm. We're going to God. 
who, first of all, knows everything. And then, oh, I always like the the question, if God knows everything before I ask or before I pray, why am I praying? Yeah. And I think that's a, a great question, and it's a good question, because it should put us in our place, just like what Jesus is doing. He's putting us in our place, that he is saying, prayer is a gift, you get to speak to God, you do get to ask for your wants, but realize what you should be asking. Yes. And when he attaches his name to this, I think this changes everything. Because, uh, again, the, the silliness of me asking for a Corvette, to what purpose? Am I really going to do more visits because I have a Corvette? Am I really going to have a better life? Am I, am I going to have a better faith? Am I going to have better anything because I have this thing? It's debatable. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lean towards no. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, Sometimes we don't get it because God's protecting us from our own self. Exactly. And Make I, our lives worse by actually getting this thing absolutely. and making it better. And I think there's a lot to that, especially when we start attaching Jesus' name. Yes. Because now the question is, what's important? Is it the car I drive? Is it a car at all? Or is it salvation? Is it forgiveness? Is it mercy? Is it grace? Is it God's gifts and faith in those gifts and the faith that God actually does provide when I don't get or I don't see what I'm doing in the once that I would like to have or how I want, you know, of course, I want everything easy, nice, packaged and laid out simply. Well, and I mean, you know, I mean, not that you can necessarily scale once, mm -hmm. but yeah. you kind of can. Um, you know, when you look at something as like the kind of car you drive mm -hmm. or, or the kind of house you have and just, you know, wanting a bigger this or a greater that or a faster uh, car or something along those lines, it pales in comparison to what we truly want uh, as, as people. And that's, that's life and, and forgiveness. You know, we all, and forgiveness, we all want to we all want to live. Mm -hmm. None of us want to face death. None of us want to go through death. We, we want life. And, and Jesus knows that that is our ultimate want in life. He, even if we don't explicitly say it to him, uh, we should. You know, we should ask him for that and continue to ask him for that. And he gives that to us. He, he gives that life to us, you know, through his death and through his resurrection. He has bestowed upon us eternal life mm -hmm. through him. And, and that's how we're praying every time is, is in his name uh, and for his gifts, which are forgiveness and life. And, and that's the things that we, we truly want in life. Well, see, I, and I'll push on this. I, I agree with you. I, but the, the, it gets bigger because of the relational aspect, praying in Jesus' name. Um, and, and you said this, uh, conforming to God's will. Um, now, dear listener, I'm pointing to Vicar when I said you said this, <laughs> knowing that you can't see. But it really puts us in this relationship, and we become receivers of what we're asking for correctly and rightly because we know Christ, because we know his work. That actually becomes our desire. Uh, the idea that in baptism, we naturally do good works yes. because it flows from what we are in him. And then that changes our prayers. It's no longer, I want mm -hmm. Selfishly for uh, gains, faster, bigger, better, so on and so forth. But I want what you provide. Mm -hmm. I want what you give, and that's hard. Um, I, I made the joke: the heart wants what the heart wants, and we always use that to justify usually our sinful, gluttonous acts. Um, I, I wanted that, and and that's what my heart wanted, mm -hmm. as if that's what controls me. Unfortunately, most of the time it does. My sinful heart, my dead heart. 
in Christ, that heart has been made alive, and I now want what Christ gives, and see the fullness of that. And that fullness gets really interesting, because before we pushed record, we had a very, very, very long talk about the word joy. And I think joy is interesting, and it's something that I haven't really dwelt on very long. Joy has always just been a synonym for happy. If I'm happy, I'm joy, joyous, in a joyful, Joyful, you know. But it's bigger than that. And what do you got, Pastor? Yeah, no, joy is, we do it. We A lot of people equate joy with happiness. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, obviously, if something's joyful for me, I'm going through it happily. And that's that's not always the truth because we as preachers, as you guys have preached probably before, we preach joy and suffering. Well, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we walk through our suffering with a smile on our face and <laughs> we're extremely happy to go through Turn it. that frown upside down. <laughs> that's right. But we find joy in it. And so that if, if we're going to say that, then joy has to be more than just an emotion. If it's just purely an emotional level, then why are we not smiling mm-hmm. as we go through our suffering? Instead, finding that joy is, is on a different level. Can we say it's a state of being? I like that. Okay. It's, it's more of a fact. Okay. Um, kind of thing. Like, hey, like, there is joy in this thing. You may not know fully what that joy is at this mm-hmm. time, but but there is joy here. Um, you see it with Christ, right? You know, when he was going through his suffering and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't go through the cross and go through uh, the beatings or the mockings or anything with a smile on his face, happy to be here. <laughs> uh, but but he was he was sweating, he was bleeding, mm-hmm. he, he was suffering, he was going through this hard time. For the joy set before him. Yes. Yeah. So I want to make a connection here um, as I'm listening to you two talk and, and soak in all your pastoral <laughs> wisdom here as the vicar. Um, I want to make the connection to, and I don't know where it is, but I was just thinking of it as I was sitting here, um, where Jesus says that he wants to give life and life in abundance. Okay, that's that's what we have in yeah. him is yeah. this life uh, in abundance. How does that fit in with joy? Because typically when you hear, we kind of started with this ask and you shall receive, and and we were talking about how that's sometimes misunderstood and misused in, in the world by Christians. But also this idea of having life in, in abundance, I think, can also be misconstrued sometimes where that means then I'm going to have everything I want, and in that I'll be happy. Uh, is there a connection there to what you're talking about here with this idea of joy, because we're also being brought into suffering? I mean, the the gospel lesson ends here by saying that you will have tribulation. So how do we square all this talk of uh, our joy will be given to us? Um, Jesus is giving us life and life in abundance and and the, the suffering that we have to go through. So I think there's an, an interesting point to be made here. Um, so you, uh, as I, I do what Pastor Wright did and, and pointed at Pastor Wright, uh, Pastor Wright talked earlier about the heart wanting what the heart wants and, and that asking whatever you ask, right? And then you're talking about abundance. And I think the struggle with that is oftentimes our eyes deceive us. You know, we see something and we're like, I'll find joy in that thing. If I just have that, I'll be much happier in life. I'll have much more joy uh, in life. And that's not always true because sometimes our eyes can be deceiving. And I think, you know, when you talk about the abundance of life, right, the thing that really brings us joy is the things that we can't see. Mm. You know, we don't have Jesus right here in front of us. We can't see him and, and, and do that, but we find joy in him. We find joy in the gifts that he brings us. You can't. 
You can't see the forgiveness of sins. You can't see eternal life. Mm-hmm. But yet that's the fullness of our joy. And, and what does it mean to have an abundance of life? It's an abundance of those gifts. It's mm-hmm. the abundance of the gifts that he gives to us. Well, let me go a different direction. Okay. Uh, n- not to disagree at all, uh, but the abundance of life and the, the struggle that I have is the now and not yet. Yeah. I have the fullness of forever right here, right now. And then going to what you said, I, I don't see that. Mm-hmm. This sure doesn't feel like paradise. This sure doesn't feel like the fullness of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. But I have that in faith that has been worked by the Holy Spirit and the abundance of that in Christ. And wrapping my head around, it's not me, it's Christ. Uh, very St. Paul, uh, it is Christ who lives in me. And that he brings the abundance, abundance of his life to bear here and now. And then in the fullness of the re- my bodily resurrection and the fullness of forever. And I, I don't like this. And the reason I don't like this is because it's very much, as Pastor Brown said, I really do want it right now. I want that instantaneous gratification. I don't want to suffer for the gospel. I don't want to suffer. I just want Jesus to be here, do it all, and I want to receive. And now with that, I also want to receive in faith and faithfully um, absolute laziness on my part, but I want God to do it all. And it's hard because we do have to suffer. We do have to deal with this world. We And again, Jesus, that statement, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Where's my relationship? Where's that abundant life that I claim to have now if I'm actually not taking advantage of that? And in the appropriate sense, not... Um, I get to live any way I want. And again, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. But living in the suffering of who and what I've been baptized into, living in the suffering of the abundant life on this side. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we have the flip side uh, of the prosperity gospel. If I just believe, if I just have this, then it will be granted to me that I will have wealth, that I will have well-behaved children, unlike your uh, soon-to-be, <laughs> she'll be, they, she, he, your baby, your child will be perfect and you'll never have to correct. Um, you know, everything will just work out because you have faith, yeah. because you did the right things. God sees favor. Um, this was the, the big uh, issue when Jesus talked about the rich people. It's hard for rich people to get into heaven because it was culturally accepted that mm-hmm. because you were rich, God liked you. Yeah, you're blessed. Right. Obviously, obviously you're doing something obviously, right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, now it, it, we still have that mindset. If yes. God would just give me more, I could do this, more. this. You yeah. hear that all the time. Right. Oh, if God just gave me, you know, a million dollars, I would mm-hmm. just donate it all. But with that, though, and I, I, I've often asked my question, this question of myself when is enough enough? Yes. If I had a million dollars, would that be enough? And you quickly, you know, you spin that so fast in your head. Well, by the time you calculate all the taxes, they're going to be taken <laughs> out, and you're cutting it down. So, I mean, truly, it's not a million. So you really need a little more so you can actually right. get to be. And then should you're in. The, should we go like Elon Musk level? Like, you know, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hundreds but, of billions. But I, I like that question. What is the abundant life, and especially in that application to our sanctified life, life of faith, baptismal life? Uh, because abundance is not what we think it is. It's not material. And then, you know, then where do I do spiritual and faith uh, and the mystical union of, of Christ? Those are all good. Yeah. 
but it's not quantifiable. Um, you know, the, the, the poor beggar whose faith is exponentially greater than the faithful whatever who attends church, you know. You don't measure these things and you can't see them, and that makes it even harder, and we have that promise to live out. And I like how you, you both uh, came at that question from different angles and you ended up at kind of similar yeah. answers because it it really gets to the point of, you know, and for, for those listening who may not feel like they, they're living life uh, in abundance, well, it's, it's not about the things that we have, mm. but it's what's offered to us in Christ our Lord. And, and you both kind of pointed right back to that, and that is the joy that is offered. And so I think there's, there's a lot to be learned uh, from the disciples here and in their interaction with Jesus. Well, to kind of use that as a segue, I'm going to jump to verse 28. Uh, this is again Jesus. I come, I, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, Oh, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And I really like this because I, I think the disciples are like, Finally, Jesus, we get it. We're, we're, we're with you, Jesus. We, we got this. And they don't have a clue. And I mean that with all love and respect. Yes. If I was sitting there, I would be prideful. Look what I know. And Jesus, no, you don't know anything. I really appreciate this because we knowing the full story, Jesus is going to be arrested, tried, crucified, die, buried, and then rise again. They haven't experienced this yet. Yes, and, and I, I love the the confidence. We know that you're you're yeah. you're you're from God, but it stops there. They don't talk about the resurrection. Yeah. They don't talk about forgiveness. No, they don't yeah. talk about anything. It's like, oh, we got that. We're done. Because they believe it, right? Like they believe in Jesus. There, I, I don't believe that there's a doubt on that. Right. They, they know that. Even even Jesus' next word, you know, do you now believe? Right. I think Jesus knows that they believe in him. Mm -hmm. They just don't fully understand what yeah. it is he's doing who he really is, all the things that go along with who he is. It seems to be one of those instances where they hear what they want to hear yeah. in that Jesus has come from the Father. Okay, Jesus is God. Good. We can all buy into that. But then it's like they don't really catch the last part where Jesus says, hey, I'm going away now. <laughs> yeah. Because as you said, they don't really address, wait, wait a second, where are you going? <laughs> well, and think about, I mean, just think about Ascension Day, which is coming up. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the disciples just kind of, stare in the sky, and they're like, oh, okay, he's coming back, right? Like, <laughs> Well, and I, I think that's interesting because we're still waiting for that. Yes. Is he coming back? Yeah. And that question, he hasn't come back in 2,000 years. Is he coming back today, tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Do I still have a chance to go visit Paris? You know, do I need to, to worry about my plans? The, the, the bigness uh, and the, the silliness of that, because, again, we want what we want when we want, and we want God to, to act according to our timetable and our understanding. And I, I love the fact that, that, Vicar, you pointed out that, okay, we got it that he's from God, and they just, I don't know if they ignore or they're just happy, we got it. Um, I, I heard a phrase, and I'm unfortunately proof of this, um, you can't teach people what they already think they know. And, oh, that's true. And the disciples think they know. We got it. He's from God. Check. And then I passed around what you said, you know, the whole idea of they don't get yeah. 
what he's going to do, what that actually means. Um, is this the Jewishness of what they're expecting? The Messiah has come to establish the earthly kingdom. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's, I wonder if there's a twofoldness there. Yeah. Um, one is the, is the Jewishness expecting of what they expected out of the Messiah, the mm -hmm. earthly kingdom. You mm -hmm. see that with Thomas, right? Thomas was very much like, okay, let's go. Like, I'll go to death with you. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's go fight the battles. Um, but I think Jesus himself was also probably just a confusing figure for them. I don't know how he couldn't be. Yeah. I don't mean that to be, be silly. Because they wouldn't have ever seen anything like him. Yeah. Like, obviously, they'd seen humans before <laughs> and men before, but but he was just so different mm -hmm. in the way that he did things, in the miracles he did, his works, his words were just so different than anything that they had seen. It's completely different than their religious leaders that they mm -hmm. had at that time. And, and so they're following this guy, and they're like, trying to decipher him at the same time as, you know, you, you, you see someone and you're trying to figure out, like, who are you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think they just kind of, they never really put all the pieces together of, of who he was mm -hmm. until he does do all of the things. He, mm -hmm. he does do his death and resurrection, and then he ascends and sends the Holy Spirit, and then they, they finally understand who he is, but even then don't necessarily fully understand who he is. No, I, I think there's a lot to that because it's a huge thing. Yeah. Who are you? And then again, we always try to categorize according to what we know, how we know, because it puts us in control. Yes. And, and it's a first commandment issue, but it's just a natural yes. thing. It's how we. Well, because they wanted it. Jesus to be mm -hmm. like certain things for them at different times. Um, Vicar had brought up before, you know, the, the whole let me sit at the left hand and right hand of your kingdom. Oh, yeah. you know, they, they wanted Jesus to be the one that, that allowed them to have that authority and mm -hmm. have that power. You know, they, they thought that they were like, I mean, and they were the chosen 12, but like they thought they were the chosen 12 to like lead everything and lead the charge. Well, and, um, you know, to, to, to go with that, uh, this is verse 31. Jesus answered them, as you said, uh, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, mm -hmm. and will leave me alone. I think this is a Judas reference, and then yeah. obviously the, the trial coming. Uh, yet I am not alone. And I love this statement because truly Jesus is the only one that can make absolute arrogant statements without being arrogant. I'm not alone. I'm not with you guys, and you're not with me, but I'm not alone either because I have the Father. And I, but then put that statement mm -hmm. in with what he says on the cross. Yes, and and that's that's the bigness of this because it's also the gifting of this. Yeah, um, Jesus doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But he invites and brings opportunity to include you yeah. and brings you to the Father. And so it's huge. Mm -hmm. And again, only Jesus can make these absolute arrogant statements without being arrogant, and it's actually gift language because he's God and he's Jesus, uh, for the Father is with me. And then verse 33, this throws a big wrinkle on a lot of things. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I hear this, and I go to the abundant life. I want prosperity gospel. I want all, Jesus, have you seen my faith? Have you seen what I've gone through? Where's my good stuff? Why do I have to suffer? And where do I find joy? And have you really overcome the world? 
Jesus, have you have you watched the news? <laughs> Did you overcome the world? And I think these are interesting because where do we find hope yeah. in this fallen world? You don't. And he says so. In the world, you yeah. find tribulation. You just live here for a little bit. I have something bigger and better because I've already overcome this. And that's hard because, again, what do I know? I know the things that I deal with. I know the things that I can touch, the things I can see, the things I can taste. I can process those. I can't process what happens after death. I know it happens, but I don't comprehend that. Well, we also want to play a role. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I was, as I was saying with the disciples, like, they thought it was a, a 13-man battle. Mm -hmm. Like, they were like, okay, there's a 12 of us and there's him. Like, we're going at this. What, well, what does Jesus say? No, I'm doing this. Yeah. Like, you guys are all going to scatter, you're all going to leave, like, and I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to overcome it for you on, on your behalf. And, and that is, as you just said, it's it's too much for us to comprehend because mm -hmm. we we live so much in this broken world, and we see it, and we see it all around us that we think that this is it. Like, we reside ourselves, and we're like, okay, it doesn't get any better than than the, the moments of happiness that I experience in this world, uh, whatever my... My biggest moment of happiness was in this world is obviously, you know, as good as it gets. Um, and it's very difficult for us to picture something better, to picture perfection, to to think that we'll be a part of it. Well, and this is the, the, the joy and the gift of the Holy Spirit, truly revealing the fullness of Christ, that we may have joy in the tribulations that the, yeah. the world will, will provide and give to us. But we also know that we suffer in Christ, with Christ, and through Christ. He is the one who provides all that we need for this life unto the next. Well, and it, what is the fullness of our joy? See, with that, and again, I, I love the joy talk because I don't think we, I don't think we speak of joy very well. Because yeah. again, it's always been that happy feeling, mm -hmm. and I really appreciated that that statement. Um, it's not just a feeling; it can be, but if we're relying on our feelings, then every divine service needs to top the last service. Yep. It, it becomes emotionalism, yep. and now I have faith in my emotions. It feels right. Well, it feels right to eat a box of Oreos. I feel really great when I do <laughs> There's that. There's a lot of truth in there. Yeah. But what does that provide? A stomachache later and bloating, you know, so on and so forth. That doesn't provide the health and benefits of good food, of mm -hmm. good things. Just like when Jesus lays out the true gifts, those are the things that I need, not the things that feel good and yes. the things that I want. And so the fullness of our joy in the end ends up becoming the gifts that we receive through Christ, and ultimately the fullness of our joy is Christ. And that's the joy of what we have in the church as the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.